Hey everybody, I am thrilled that you are all here. Actually, 100% of you is here because today we're going to talk about why does Grace Community Church exist? We've been in a series called Your Why Is Your Way. We all need a purpose. Every single person is asking three big questions. One of those questions is purpose because we need purpose. Human beings crave purpose. It puts a spring to our step. It gives a focus to our life. We Brave it. We've got to have it. Today, I want to talk about what is the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace is the thing that puts a spring to Jesus's steps. It, it is his focus. It is his heartbeat. It is what drives him. It is why he entered this world to walk amongst us. So what is grace's purpose? And why do we so enthusiastically invite you to be a part of it? But not just you. Why do we also invite you to enthusiastically invite your friends, your family, your neighbor, your coworker, churchgoers and non-churchgoers to be a part of this? This is what we want to talk about today. I have my shirt on today from The Chosen. Get used to different. Because that was a very special scene. Matter of fact, I think it was the best scene in this TV series called The Chosen. Jesus is with a group of people that nobody would have expected him to be a part of. And his disciples walked up and they're like, so confused. What are you doing? And he says, get used to different. Get used to different. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ surprised people all the time. We are told 34 times in the four biographies of Jesus. Yes, we call them the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And isn't it interesting that we don't just have one viewpoint on Jesus, one biography. We have four different perspectives so that we can get a full rounded understanding of Jesus. Four of them on Jesus Christ. 34 times in the Gospels, we're told that people were amazed at Jesus. Nine times in those Gospels, we're told that they were astonished by Jesus. And four times in the Gospels, we're told that they were surprised by Jesus. I want to read you one of those times right now. We're told in John 4, 27, Jesus, he's speaking to the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. It is the longest recorded conversation that Jesus ever had with anybody in his four biographies. Now that is important to note. The longest recorded conversation, Samaritan, wrong race, woman, wrong gender, voila, Jesus is having the longest conversation with her. When Jesus said to his disciples, we're going to go through Samaria, they're like, what? You know, that's not what you do. That was surprising. And then they go to town. When he stops at this well, they go to town to get food. They come back and here's what happens. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised. Jesus was constantly surprising people. Some people say they leave church because it's boring. Other people stay in church because it is boring, because we always get what we expected. But Jesus Christ is always surprising us. You know, we try to... We try to make things exciting sometimes in church. You know, I, I watched a video one time of a pastor who was trying to make his sermon exciting by riding a motorcycle into church for his sermon. Now, he gunned it a little bit too much, popped a wheelie, the motorcycle crashed into a bunch of chairs. Thank goodness nobody got hurt. We don't have to jazz things up that way. I watched another pastor. He had a tank on stage. Another pastor had a Ferrari on stage. Another pastor swung like Tarzan out over people. That's exciting. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. That's very creative. 
But Jesus, the way he made things exciting was he was always doing something surprising. Surprising by what he said and to whom he said it to. That's what made Jesus so exciting. He would say things that were unexpected to unexpected people. Jesus Christ created a place where all people could belong. Grace is a place, here it is everybody, following in the footsteps of Jesus, focused on the ways of Jesus, is creating a place where all people can belong. This is what we're going to talk about today. And to begin with, I would like to pray that God would help us do just that. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your amazing word. Jesus, help us to follow in your footsteps and in your footsteps alone. In Christ's name, amen. Now, we've been going over for the past number of months, Genesis chapter 1 to 11 talks a lot about human nature. And I want to give a proverb that speaks to human nature. You help me to complete that, okay? Type it right in the chat. Birds of a feather, what, what do they do? Put, put it in there. You've heard that modern proverb before. It's talking about human nature. This is what we as human beings do. Birds of a feather flock together. It's saying something to us about human nature. Genesis chapter 1 through 11 repeatedly shows us what human nature is. We keep coming, God keeps saying scatter, and human beings keep coming together. Birds of a feather flock together. This is just who we are. So here's the first point I would like to say about today from this message and who grace is. We have to accept our reality. 100% of us, not some of us, all of us. We have to accept this reality, the human nature. We have this very strong gravitational pull inside of us to flock together. That's who we are. We love to flock together. We are flocked up. And Jesus Christ is a flock buster. That's who Jesus is. He is the original flock buster. And all of us want to flock together. We establish cliques. We group together. It's like the lunchroom scene in high school. We just are flocked up. This is who we are as people. And Jesus is radically different. He is the original flock buster. He fights against the flocks. People say all churches are welcoming. All churches. But all churches at the same time, for the most part, are flocked up. This is who we are. Though we might all be welcoming, we tend to all be flocked. But Jesus Christ comes in there and says, you have got to bust this flock up and reach all people, that all people need to know that they belong here. They're not just welcome here. They belong here. They're not second-class citizens here. They belong here. We get flocked up over styles. Is it going to be in Oregon? Now, this is mainly years ago. We don't have these arguments so much anymore. But Oregon, or is it going to be a rock band? Which one is it going to be? The style. Is it going to be a suit and tie or is it going to be shorts? Which one is it going to be? Are we going to flock up around race, politics, sexuality? Or how about the COVID policy? Right now today, that is the number one flocking reason. The COVID policy. It follows the news network you, you watch. The mask is more powerful than Jesus Christ because that is how churchgoers are flocking. They're flocking around the mask, not around Jesus. Jesus is saying, bust that flock up. 
Focus on Jesus Christ. This is, this is the lens. It's Jesus first. And then everything else flows from there. He is saying that we have to focus on him more than anything else. Seek first the kingdom of God. Look what Genesis chapter 12, verse number one says. Remember, the first 11 chapters is showing us human nature. And now we're going to bust up that strong gravitational, dangerous pull of human nature. And God speaks to Abraham and Sarah. And God says in Genesis 12, he says, get out of your country. Get out of your flock. We've got to change it. And it's so exciting if we will do that. We again have that tendency to flock up. And so God says in his first statement to Abraham and Sarah, get out of your country, get out of your flock. It's not boring. It's unexpected. It's surprising. It's astonishing. You know, historian Thomas Cahill in writing about this whole idea about the Bible says this about the Jewish people. We can hardly get up in the morning and cross the street without being Jewish. Most of our best words, new, adventure, surprise, future, freedom, progress, faith, hope, all of these words are gifts from the Jews. It is an adventure adventure to follow Jesus. It's surprising. It's new, exciting. It's anything but boring. Why do we always pull back to the things that are familiar, to the things that are the same old, same old? When God is pushing us, Jesus is saying, come out of there, come out of that flock and do something new and adventurous. You think about the things that Jesus talked about that are new. I want to give you new wine. I want to give you a new beginning. I want you to be a new creation. I want you to go about doing new things in a new way. Isaiah, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? Do we perceive it? We got to accept our reality, 100% of us, that we are flockers. That's what we do. And we have to fight against that and follow Jesus Christ instead to follow him and embracing and welcoming all people, not some people. And you might be saying, John, John, come on now. You just like new stuff. That's just all you, you just like the new things. No, no, absolutely not. I've been going to a restaurant here in Falls Church because I've lived in this area all my life called Peking Gourmet. I went there the first time 35 years ago. I found what I like, Kung Pao chicken. And I have never gotten anything other than Kung Pao chicken. When I go in there, they try to give me the menu. I'm like, don't need the menu. They're like, no, 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 you got to, no, I don't need it. I'm getting Kung Pao chicken. People ask me what else is on the menu. I don't know what else is on the menu. I get Kung Pao chicken. That's the only thing I've ever gotten. I have to fight with the wait staff sometimes. No, you got to take the menu. I'm like, get the menu out here. I get Kung Pao chicken. Same thing with vacation. Once I find a great place to go on vacation, I don't change. Why change? I got it all figured out. I like it. I like it. I can expect it. I can control the situation. I can control everything. I'm happy with Kung Pao chicken. I know what I'm getting. My expectations are fulfilled. Just don't change the recipe. I know what I'm getting at the vacation place. Okay. So no, but Jesus Christ challenges my human nature. He always wants to do something new. He always wants to do something exciting. He always wants to do something different. And when we go to church as churchgoers, all right, listen, let's get serious. If you're a churchgoer like me, I've been in church my whole life, birthed on a pew. Okay. When I get to the point 
where I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to church. I'm going to see the people I expect to see. I'm going to hear the message I expect to hear. I am no longer following Jesus because Jesus has always given a message that is unexpected and, and surrounded by people that are unexpected. So when I go to church, I should expect if I'm truly following Jesus and if this church is following Jesus, I should be surprised at who I see and what I hear because that is who Jesus is over and over and over again. Jesus challenges my perspective, my view, and my ways of doing things. Look, we've mentioned this for the past couple months because the Bible is really, really into metaphor. I'm not into metaphor, but the Bible is into metaphor big time. It challenged my perspective when I finally came to the realization of that. There are new things actually for me to learn about Jesus. Jesus is not stale. There's always something new. There's a new thing to learn about his word that is so deep that you can't get to the bottom of. And I had to say, you know what? Do I have Jesus in his Bible all figured out? No. Then I realized that 18 times throughout the scriptures, check it out. 18 times in the four biographies of Jesus, he was always teaching through parables. He was always teaching, parables and metaphor. He's always teaching through metaphor. He constantly taught through metaphor. He told us another metaphor that Jesus instructed us through metaphor. I'm like, it's just a metaphor. Jesus obviously was very excited about metaphor. This was something new. He's always doing something new. He's always challenged us. It's always a new adventure. That is who Jesus Christ is. How did I miss that? Now, everybody, let me tell you something. Let me give you a statistic. Church growth in the United States of America. You know what? Church growth in the United States of America is almost 100% because church people are changing churches. I'm not really sure that's what Jesus envisioned when he said, scatter, go out to all the world. Church growth in America is almost 100% the result of churchgoers going to a brand new church. Now think about that for a second. Is that what Jesus Christ has called us to? I was talking to somebody a number of years ago, and they were uh, very excited. We were talking about revival. And they said, well, the church that I used to go to is experiencing revival. They've moved away to another state. They said, the church I went to in the northern Virginia area is experiencing a massive revival. I said, oh, wow. I think revival renewal is, is a great thing. Tell me all about this revival they're experiencing. Well, this church has had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of brand new people. They just keep coming coming, coming. The church is just exploding. It's growing. It's massive. It's incredible. Man, that that sounds awesome. Yeah, it is really awesome. Now I found out later, like a week later, that the reason that this church is growing so much is because a mega church in that area had a total meltdown because of a moral failing of the pastor and everybody was, all the church people were flocking to this other church over here. Everybody, that's not a revival. That's not a revival at all. A revival is when people who have no interest in Christ all of a sudden, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, have an insatiable interest in the character of Christ. Now that's a revival. Aren't we thrilled? Look, rules don't change anybody. Relationships change people. Relationships change people. I went through a really, really hard time in my life a number of years ago, actually. 25, 30 years ago, everybody where I was severely disappointed with people who were in church leadership positions. And 
for whatever reason, over and over again, I, I had the habit of picking church staffs to be a part of uh, where they were totally melting down. And I was hurt, and it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse, and I was disappointed. But all that pain and all that hurt and all the terrible situations I went through just prepared me for God to do a new thing in me. Grace Community Church started basically with just a couple days' notice. I don't know, it was maybe a week and a half. I had been hurt by the final church I was in, and I said, God, I'll do anything you want, but I'll never be on the staff of a church again. For some reason, I felt like I should pray for three weeks. I prayed for three weeks. I had a mortgage due. I had a couple kids. It was the dumbest thing I'd ever do in the world, but I prayed. At the end of those three weeks, I felt like God whispered to me, hey, just try it again. Nothing more powerful than that than try it again. And so we did. So with about 10 days notice, Grace Community Church began, and it was a painful beginning. I was hurt so badly. But after I healed up and thanked the Lord for a wonderful group of family and friends that stood around me while I healed up, I just felt after I began to start healing up, God wanted to do something unique at Grace. And so I prayed for 18 months, God, what in the world is this unique thing? And then one day as I'm flying back from a conference, I'm on a plane and I felt like God just like whispered to me, I want you to be a church for people who don't go to church. That didn't make sense to me and didn't make sense to a bunch of my church going friends. But what we did is we put that little phrase on a postcard. We mailed it out to the neighborhood and you know who showed up? People who don't go to church showed up. Matter of fact, we had so many people who began to show up who said, here I am, I'm here holding the postcard because I don't go to church. So here's what I hear so much. People who've never been to church before, they feel inspired and welcome. They belong at grace. But eventually they say, yeah, but don't you want to change me? And I don't want you trying to change me. So let me just say this right up front. I want to change you. <laughs> But I also want to see myself change. There's not a group of people like, you need to change and you know you don't need to change. All of us need to change. How? How though? Jesus said we should be famous for love. I want to become more loving. And I want you to become more loving, whether you're a church person or not. All of us need to change. We all need to be continuously changing. Change is a good thing. Paul writes in his letter to the church of Galatia in chapter 5, that we should be influenced by the very Spirit of God in nine specific areas. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's our focus, that all of us together should become more loving. We should become more loving. That's the change we're after. We should become more kind. We should become more patient. We should become more peaceful in an anxious world. This is what we're after. This is what is the most important thing. For most church people, like me, that confuses us. But there are a group of people who are inspired by that. Who are they? Well, I want to introduce you to two of those people right now. Hey, everybody. I'm sitting here with two wonderful people, Trevor and Sita, and, uh, they are, well, this is how we classify it uh, in the church world. People who don't go to church fall into one of two categories, either in Trevor's case, never been to church before, or in Sita's case, had been to church, but then hadn't been in a long time and came to grace. We want to have a conversation today with Trevor and Sita just about their experience, because as you know, we're a church for people who don't go to church. So, could you tell all of us, what has your experience been like at Grace? 
I used to go to church, like you said, and I stopped going maybe 15 years ago. And when the pandemic started and things just kind of felt like they were falling apart, um, I realized that I needed God. But then when we went to the website and we saw like your slogan, I was like, Wow. That was one of the things that drew me to, to grace. Okay. I was like, I, I've got to try this. So. <laughs> <laughs> that really alleviates a lot of doubts mm-hmm. that I had because that just, it makes you already feel like you can fit in mm-hmm. without even having done anything. To me, it meant that anyone's welcome. You know, honestly, that's part of what drew me to Jesus in the first place is, you know, just anybody as you are. From day one, um, walking in here with my, wife, Sarah, it's just been overwhelmingly positive and easy to kind of fit in or kind of sit in and kind of learn the sermons and learn what you're preaching. You actually invited us over for dinner, Sarah and I, and you let me grill you on like these five or 10 questions that I had. And I remember that first conversation I had with Pastor Derek, and I just kind of hit him with a bunch of the questions that I had struggled with when I stopped going to church. Those were some pretty big questions that I had just as just being a fearful non-churchgoer because of what I've heard or what had been portrayed. You know, I never knew anything else. We had this great long conversation about those issues. And, you know, he suggested a book for me to read. And you really helped cleared up a lot of the misconceptions mm-hmm. and gave me the honest truth and cleared up a lot of things that I was even thinking wrongly about what I, how I interpret it, you know. I guess I've always felt um, like like this was a safe space for me to ask any questions I had. Nobody was going to tell me, like, that's a dumb question or how dare you ask that question mm-hmm. and um, to kind of learn and grow spiritually at my own pace. Yeah, It really gave me like a sense of belonging that I really didn't feel anywhere else. And I couldn't be more appreciative of grace and Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the first point about Grace Community Church is this. We have to accept our reality that our human nature wants to group together. We have to accept the reality that we are flocked up and Jesus Christ is the original flock buster. And here's the second thing. We have to determine to follow Jesus, not the birds. We have to determine to follow Jesus, not the birds. Now, everybody, what transforms people? What transforms? What is it that transforms people? Church people, specifically, I just want to say to you, this catches all of us, okay? So just hang on. If you're a non-church goer, just hang on. But church people, I want to assume that you would say you're fired up about Jesus and that you want all people to be fired up about Jesus. So in other words, you follow Jesus and you want the entire world to follow Jesus. So here's the question. What transforms people's lives. What is going to do it? Rules don't change people. Rules don't transform people. How does transformation happen? Let me ask you another question. Why are people Muslim? Why are people Buddhist? Why are people Jewish or atheist or Christian? Why are people anything? We know why. We have the answers to this. The studies are out there. Almost 100% of the people are the way they are because of relationships, their family and their friends. If you were born into a Muslim family and you stayed close to your family and your friends are Muslim, you almost 100% are going to be Muslim. The same as Jewish, Christian, atheist, on and on it goes. It's relationships that change people, not rules. 
It's relationships. Jesus says, come and follow me. The word follow is a relational word. It means that you are journeying with somebody. And as you journey, you have a relationship. It's that relationship that transforms lives. And if you create a church for church people so that you can't have a relationship, so that you can't welcome in people who are non-church people, how will you change them? Matter of fact, if you put rules on your website to create relational barriers so those very people can't come in. Okay, let's put it this way. If we want to change the world, right, and all we do is flock things up, pull people together, and then we say things that irritate and push away and create relational barriers to the very people that we say the world needs to change because of you, and we don't create a space to have that relationship, how in the world are we going to change anybody? Everybody, we are changed by relationships. That means we've got to be close with each other. We have to be followers of Jesus. That is a relational term. Rules don't change people. Relationships do. This is what 1 John 4, 19 says. We love because he first loved us. How do you know that somebody loved you? Does it happen like that overnight? It happens by relationship. We just don't walk up to somebody like day one. Oh, I love you. I love you back. Let's get married. That's not how it happens. At least that's not how it happens with wisdom. It happens slowly. It happens over time with little pieces of information every day. We love because he first loved us. I begin to change when I start loving Jesus back, and that doesn't happen on day one. So you invite people to be a part of your community who are vastly different. And we are all changed. We all equally need to change. And we need to have a relationship with Jesus and follow Jesus. And as we move up more towards Jesus, we are transformed by Jesus Christ. But you've got to create this space where everybody can come together. If you don't, it's very simple. It's not going to change. That is Jesus's heart. Birds of a feather flock together. Thank goodness Jesus does not practice this modern day proverb, birds of a feather flock together, because we're nothing like Jesus. We are not in heaven. We are the unrighteous here on earth. But Jesus, though nothing like us, pure righteousness comes down to have a relationship with us. And out of that relationship, influenced by the character of Christ, we can become more Christ-like. He chooses to be the flock buster and to enter into our world to transform us. So thank goodness Jesus Christ does not practice birds of a feather flock together. And that is our hope. How do we know that Jesus Christ loves us? It takes a relationship and a relationship takes time. In Luke 15, three powerful metaphors. Jesus gives us three parables. Parable is a metaphor. He gives us three powerful metaphors. There's a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Let's just talk about two of them. A lost sheep. What does the shepherd do? It says the beginning of that metaphor, he says he leaves the flock. Well, there you go. You got to be a flock buster. Jesus Christ is a flock buster. He busts out of the flock. That's what he does. Okay? He goes and gets the one that's not a part of the flock. He goes and gets the one that foolishly wanders away. We can't as church people say, well, I'm part of the flock. It's got to be all about me. I've actually had people say that to me. I want to go to a church because I love Jesus so much that I want it to be about church people. Okay. That's not Jesus. And that all the time, 100% of the time, 
I get that question. I get that statement. It's not even a question. I get that statement, that comment from people who say, I know Jesus a lot. <laughs> like I'm all into Jesus. So therefore, I want to go to a church that's nothing but about church people. See, that's so antichrist. So antichrist. Because Jesus leaves the flock, the flock buster, to go and get. That's what Abraham and Sarah did. That's what Peter did. That's what Paul did. That's what Mary did. Now let's talk about the prodigal son. So you got this one son, man, he leaves the flock. He goes out there, he lives riotous living. He's living in the devil's pig pen. And then he comes back. And what does the older brother say? The older brother represents the church person. What does the old brother say? He says, why is he here? What does the father say? Why isn't he here? Why isn't he here? Two radically different perspectives. Human nature says, why are those people here? Christ nature says, why aren't those people here? I want those people here. The question is, what statement do you make? What is the question that you're asking? Are you asking, why are those people here? Are you asking, why aren't those people here? If there are people in the community that you're living in, and you're going to a church in that community... And it's only people with your political persuasion, your COVID persuasion, your sexual persuasion, your whatever persuasion. If it's only those people, you should be saying, if you're following Jesus, why aren't those people here? Human nature says, now look, I know some of you are saying, oh yeah, 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 preach it, preach it, preach it, John, preach it. I'm all into diversity and you preach it. Get those people, get those, get those flocked up people. Wait a minute. I've shared this before. I got to say it again. All of us are flocked up because I have people email me all the time. I love diversity. I'm thinking about visiting your church. I love diversity. I got to, I'm just so in diversity. I'm so into diversity. I love it, love it, love it. But I got to ask you a question before I visit your church because I'm so diverse, right? I got to ask you a question before I visit your church. I can't sit in a church that doesn't preach and teach and lead with the exact same perspective on life in the world that I do. By the way, I love diversity. Now, you see, I I, know, I don't want to have to explain. You got that, right? You understand that? We're all flocked up. There's not one of us, me included, that does not gravitate towards this powerful human desire to be flocked together. That's why Jesus is the answer for our world today. He is the flock buster of all of us. Rules don't change people. Relationships do. You have to belong First, everybody has to belong first in that relationship and then the influence begins to happen and that's how people change. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Now, let me end by saying two things about following Jesus. Number one, it takes time. Love is patient. All of Jesus' disciples left him, except for that one called John. That's a pretty good name, right? He didn't. He was there at the foot of the cross. Everybody. Peter is cursing Jesus. And Jesus is saying, come on. After the resurrection, remind Peter. Tell Peter to come be a part of this. It takes a lot of patience. It takes time. It takes time. Paul. Paul didn't just like one day on that road to Damascus, everybody. like spent. He goes and spends years in the desert. It takes time. It takes time. The second thing is it takes focus. It's fo- you have to focus on the right thing. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love God, love others. Okay, we're going to focus on the right thing. Jesus says, be famous for love. They will know you if you love each other. What are we focusing on? 
Well, Paul gives us a great set of things to focus on. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, let's put it this way. When he says fruit, he says the influence. Here's what, here's what you're to be influenced by. Let me give you this, these nine character traits of Jesus Christ that should influence your life. Here's what you should focus on. Everybody, I want to say this right up front, okay? Because always the question is, oh, you want to change me? So I just want to put it right out there. Let's let the cat out of the bag. We want to change you. (laughs) We want to change. We desperately want to change you. But here's what we want to change about you. Here's what needs to change about me. Here's where all of us need to be continuously changed, right? Be continuously filled by the Holy Spirit. Be continuously have your character change. Here's what we want to change. Here's what we want to focus on. And Paul says, the influence of God's Spirit in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the nine marks of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what we want to change more than anything else. That's it. We think that all of us need to be more loving. We think that all of us need to be more kind. We think that all of us should have more joy. We think that all of us should have more peace and a very anxious world. That's what we want to change. That's where most, but far too often we get focused on things that are outside of those nine things. We nitpick on little things that the Bible hardly ever talks about. You know, a few weeks ago, I talked about doing this awesome thing, the Porsche experience in Atlanta. I was at a conference and they took uh, the few of us at this conference. There's not many people at this conference to something called the Porsche experience where you get to, you get to sit in this awesome, incredible Porsche and it's driven by a professional driver at over a hundred miles an hour around this test track. I mean, you're flying into turns at 110 and boom, you're stopping on a dime, making the turn so you don't crash. It's incredible. I got to tell you what, getting on that test track, I'm wondering, this driver, has he been fully trained, extensively trained in how to drive a car at 110 miles an hour and to stop and make a turn? You know what? If that driver would have said to me, hey, John, listen, I want to tell you before we go out on this test track at 110 miles an hour, I have been fully and extensively trained in how to operate this glove compartment. You know, we want you to buy a Porsche one day and your registration is going to be in there. So, John, I want to tell you, I fully know how to operate this glove compartment. Everybody, what we need to be fully and extensively trained on is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, on and on it goes. That's where our focus is. The character of Jesus Christ is what matters the most. Anything else is a dead sea. When we're inward focused, we're focused on the glove compartments of the Bible. Instead of what Jesus says is most important, be famous for love, the fruit of the Spirit, then we're inward focused, we're just like the Dead Sea. And you know what? When we focus on outward, when we focus on love and being famous for love, when we focus on the fruit of the Spirit, these nine marks, then we will be a river of life bubbling over to an overflow stage. That's who we are. That's what we're going to do. And we invite you to be a part of it. Because if we follow Jesus, if we're determined to follow Jesus and not scared and not just doing the things that we expect to do all the time, if we get out on a new adventure and follow his ways, it is an awesome opportunity. That's the only thing that will really charge up our spirits and our life like we truly, truly want. So please be a part of this movement of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you 
Thank you that you are so clear in the scriptures about who we are and what we should be doing, our purpose. Help us, Lord, to enthusiastically follow you, Jesus, please. In Christ's name, amen.